Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world, hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in. Pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. We're brought to you today by Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. Today's guest is a Canadian race car driver and entrepreneur. He has raced in the Arca Menard Series, NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, and NASCAR Xfinity Series. His accomplishments include Arca's 2010 Most Popular Driver, 2008 USAC Silver Crown Series Rookie of the Year, 2008 Minnesota Modified Nationals Champion, and on the dirt, the list is very long. He's a champion snowmobile racer, Mike. He currently owns Longhorn Chassis, a dirt late model and dirt modified chassis manufacturer. So today we're going to get down and dirty on the show. <laughs> Welcome, Steve Arpin. Say hi to Mike Wallace. How's it going, gentlemen? We're doing very, very good, good, Steve. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you having me. Looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's all about you, man. For one hour, you're going to tell us about <laughs> How great Steve Arpin is, and, and how big an audience do we have, Jeff? Well, the whole world is listening, Mike. Okay, Steve, Steve. <laughs> don't be nervous. Yeah. You've got one hour. Go. So, so you guys are completely comfortable with me BSing the, the heck out of you, then, right? Yeah, we're we're good to go, man. We, <laughs> Tell us some lies. That's fine. We have no rules and uh, all that. But you know, the the great part about this show is a lot of people, a lot of race fans, as we describe it, have heard your name. Uh, they've heard your name a lot here recently, or in the last couple of years, tied to Longhorn Chassis. But uh, you're you're a longtime racer. I remember, um, I don't remember exactly the particular race, but I, I remember you showing up at a truck race. And m my brother Kenny and I were talking that weekend. We, of course, he didn't run the truck series as I did or the Xfinity series, one or the other. And he, he goes, oh, my God. I says, I never heard of Steve Arpin guy. Who's that? He goes, oh, that dude's badass fast in a dirt car. And he, he must have raced with you or knew you. So uh, <laughs> I think what we need you to do is. Uh, Your brother and I ran a lot of laps together in the dirt cars. It did was you? a lot of fun. Okay. Well, 
What I'd like, if you don't mind, take us way back. Uh, when I say way back, when did you get involved in motorsports? What prompted you to get in motorsports? And tell the whole world a little bit about Steve Arpin. Honestly, I was, uh, so my, my dad's family business was a marine dealership. So we sold boats, uh, for kind of any, any toy with a motor, but mainly focused on fishing boats and everything and dealing with fishermen all week long, every week, we, we really wanted to get to dusty old dirt tracks on the weekend. We didn't want to go fishing. So <laughs> my dad was a hobby racer in our, in our hometown growing up in Fort Francis, Ontario. Uh, his home track was Emo Speedway that we raced at. And, and I just loved it from, from the time I was a small kid. Um, I remember one time he came into the garage and he was just mad at me because I was cutting up all this pipe that he had there and I was building my own go-kart. It, I don't know what it actually looked like, but I, I do know that I ruined a whole bunch of this really good pipe that he ordered special for his car and he wasn't too pleased about that. But I remember I was 10 years old and I got my first go-kart and um, it was in the back of the truck coming home from our first race and I just sat in, in between my parents' front seats and just sat there and said, this is all I want to do, it's all I want to do. And and that was kind of the end of it. And my dad was an entrepreneur in his own right and he just told me, it's like, if this is what you got to do, want to do, you got to figure it out and it's, it won't be an easy ride. And so we really worked on the competition end of it and trying to be the best I could at my at my trade and but worked on the business end of it to be able to support myself along the way. So and it's taken us taken us all over the world really with the rallycross stuff snowmobile stuff we've we've literally raced all over the world it's been a wild ride so when you're riding along in that pickup truck what age were you any how far 10 back years old 10 years old 10 years old my first business i was actually 11 and i started building uh i started building the was porting the five horse briggs uh engines and everything and i i got to the point where i was building engines for for all the adult guys i was racing with and you're 11 Good lord. A, I, He's I a rocket $3. scientist, a, it sounds like. <laughs> I barely I knew how to tie my shoes when I was 11. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny. My mom found one of my old invoices, and I had a, I had a $3 an hour labor rate back then. $3 an hour. And uh, so where, where were you doing that? Out of the house garage or dad's shop? Yeah, or where just, was it? just out, out of my dad's garage at the house. It was it was pretty cool. And so how? what... Uh, what gave you the knowledge? How did you learn how to do that? I, Honestly, my dad's just always been one of those guys that that every he just jumps into everything and and does it himself and figures it out uh, to everything in life really, not just motorsports. And so that was that was the upbringing I was surrounded by, and that was the only way I kind of knew stuff was just to to jump in if if you if you feel strongly about it, jump in head first and figure out the rest later. So that's kind of the way I've been brought up. It's the way I live my life. It's 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 made for a lot of bad mistakes but it's made for a lot of cool experiences too so um like we built all of our own haulers once we once we transitioned up to dirt racing we'd find an old truck and cut it up and extend the chassis on and build a toter home out of it and built all of our own stuff and and everything else for the years so it was a lot of fun i gotta share a canadian story with you (laughs) Jeff, Jeff, you oh, yeah, you betcha. Is, okay, there, is there a moose involved? No, you, you got to remember, we've had two other Canadian drivers on the show. We had Paul Tracy right, right, and Ron Fellows. Gotcha. But when, I'm in good company there. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, that's, those are two of the best that I know of, you know. I mean, uh, but just when you said haulers, it made me think, and you said go-kart racing. And, and you were talking about how innovative you and your family were for having your haulers. Jeff, you remember how, how Paul Tracy said his dad got his go-kart to the racetrack? That's exactly what I was thinking about when we started the show. because And I couldn't remember exactly who it was, but it was Paul yeah, Tracy. Yeah, so you'll yeah. Lo- love this, Steve. Where you guys are entrepreneurial in that, I guess uh, Paul's dad had some type of successful business. And somehow they wanted to go-kart race. But they didn't have any way to get the go-kart to the racetrack. But the dad owned a Rolls-Royce. <laughs> So they sho- they opened the trunk and shoved the go kart hanging out the trunk and the Rolls Royce and the spare engine and all the parts in the back seat of the Rolls. So that's how they went racing for a year. They roll into the racetrack well, in a Rolls Royce with all the stuff hanging out of the back. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I hope I'm going to Google that after we get off the phone here. I hope they have pictures of that somewhere. I yeah, got to see that. Yeah. Well, go go back and uh, pull up on uh, Fast Car NASCAR with Mike Wallace under the Paul Tracy editions and listen to the story because you'll love it. I because it's like I even confirmed with some friends of his, some IndyCar guys that raced with him back in his early years. And they go, yep, 
rolled in there like a damn high roller, but he didn't know no better. <laughs> it was perfect. But uh, oh, that's funny. So, so your dad? Did you have any brothers, sisters, anybody that went racing with you, or was it just your dad and friends, or who was it? So I've got one one older brother. Uh, one older brother. He drove too for a while, but he was he was more of the cold trickle mentality, if you want to call it that. He's like the he was the pretty boy that that wanted to show up on the show up on the motorcycle carrying his helmet and just do like the the cold trickle entrance like that and didn't necessarily want to work on stuff throughout the week and everything and just more so show up and drive and we all know we all know coming through the ranks in motorsports that's just not the way it works no and no not it at was, all uh, yeah so he after about after about wrecking three or four cars i think he had enough of of working on the stuff during the week so he he hung it up pretty early and he went the uh, he went the wakeboarding route and, and got into that and and then eventually started his own construction business and and to this day he runs that and does really well with it. Well, good, good. So let's get back to you about that. <clears throat> so you were go kart racing when you were ten. You were building motors when you were eleven. <laughs> what entrepreneurial skills did you have at twelve? <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually we actually did start. Uh, There's Turk Brothers. I remember that. God, I haven't heard that name in a long time. But we started a, we started a parts dealership, and and my dad let me run it out of his parts department at the marine dealership, and so he let me start learning all that. So we actually did start a a dealership with a parts supplier and selling all the parts and everything too. So ran all that. Then when I was 14, it was the last race of the year at Emo Speedway, and he let me get in the dirt modified. Just a, we kind of broke the rules a little bit, and I was gonna I was gonna just I think he had to be 16, but. He let me race it that last race. We just kind of snuck me in there. I remember he was running around in his fire suit, so people actually thought it was him driving, and then we'd sneak me in the car to, to go out. And I I absolutely destroyed the thing in hot laps. I I, I got sideways. I over overcorrected and, and turned it head on into the fence. Mm. And we had to we got that thing welded up. We had to run back to our house to get more parts and everything. And I missed the heat races, but there wasn't enough cars that everyone was in, right? So started at the back of the feature and i think the third lap into the feature i did the exact same thing in the exact same place and i just i destroyed my dad's poor race car my first time out in a full-size car so so would dad have <laughs> run out you know back in the day your your crew members or anybody with you kind of ran out on the racetrack if you were tore up a wreck make sure you're okay yeah, yeah make sure you're okay did dad run out in his fire suit and they're looking at him like damn you look good from that big a wreck <laughs> uh, honestly i i don't remember i think he was always <laughs> safety wasn't necessarily a big priority in our family we just kind of done we, we always did just did a lot of stupid stuff so i think he was more so trying to figure out how we're going to fix it before he was I think he figured I'd be fine, and he was just trying to figure out how we're going to fix it. There you go. So after that uh, big-time uh, first race, two wrecks, what was the conversation at the end of the night or on the way home at that point? Do you remember? <laughs> he, he I bet it was quiet. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> no, I remember that one very clearly, to be honest with you. That's one of those ones that stick with you. He, uh, he, he told me I was trying to be a hero too soon because I was – I was getting cocky for my success in go-karts and he said he would give me one more shot and how I handled that next shot would dictate my next year. So he took me to, uh, he took me to Dryden, Ontario a couple of weeks later and gave me one more shot. Uh, and I, I, if I remember, I think we ended up winning the race to be honest with you, but I just had to calm down a little bit and, and, and just settle down. We, we all know that, right? Every time we get too wound up in a race car, we end up we end up going slow. Got to go slow to go fast. You know, <laughs> I, I love that you just said that, Jeff. When I moved down here from Missouri, that was the stupidest phrase I thought I had ever heard in racing, right? Got to learn how to go slow to go fast. I went. It was the first time I ever heard that, I think it was Richard Petty. Yeah, and, 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 and I'm, I'm like, thinking oh. to myself, okay. What does that mean? Man, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I just don't understand this. And then I finally, it all kicked in. It's yeah. like, yes, slow down to go fast. Hey, let me back up a second because I probably got a little bit ahead of myself there. In your go-kart racing, you said you had a lot of success or you're a little, maybe you're a little pumped up getting in that mod from uh, the go-kart success. What, what did you do over there? Did you win a lot of big races or a lot of did advance along there pretty good? So up by us, there was, it really there really wasn't that much racing. I come from a from a really small town in Fort in Fort Prince, Ontario, Canada. So there really wasn't that much racing that we could do. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt we, you we, right there just for a second. 
geographically put us somewhere in the United States and explain where you are in Canada at that point? I would say probably about seven, six, seven hours straight north of Minneapolis. Whoa, that's up there. That's a long way up there, isn't it? <laughs> So yeah, okay. the the only time we get the only time we the only time we're someone is is when it's the middle of the winter and you see International Falls, Minnesota, and it's the coldest place in the country. That's right. the only time we get noticed for anything. It was the coldest place in the country. We make the we make the Weather Channel news, and uh, and we were just a mile north on the Canadian side. Okay, that's uh, too cold <laughs> for me. I need to warm up. Yeah, I don't like that. It is I, the Great White I, North. I took my wife. The Great White North. I took, <laughs> Uh, I'm down here in Charlotte now. I took my wife home for we were dating at the time. Took her home for her first Christmas, and and at that year it was 60 below with the wind chill, and she that was the last time we went home for Christmas. Like, we yeah, live in the no south. Kidding. You guys, <laughs> yeah, you guys just gotta come south. We might not have a white Christmas, but it's a hell of a lot more pleasant than this. That's funny you say that because we're from St. Louis originally, and my whole family, Rusty, Kenny, and myself, yeah. and so we we've all ended up migrating to this area of course kenny's moved back to st louis but we get down here and it's you know like 40s really cold <laughs> compared <Good> to <laughs> zero and it's like i don't have any interest in going back to that cold weather no so uh, isn't that the truth yeah so okay frigidly cold and you you race some go-karts and did you race that right around your the area you lived in or did you guys have to travel uh, no, it was right. Well, it was about forty-five minutes away. Uh, was was the only track around us, um, and I was the only kid. The rest of it was adults. So it was it was an adult class uh, that I was I was the only kid racing in, and it got to the point relatively quick that we were we were winning and 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 beating the adults on a regular basis. So that was that was pretty cool. And then we started traveling. We we actually raced down Talladega, uh, raced and won in Talladega, um, raced all through Minnesota, Iowa, that kind of stuff. And then it just got to the point where go, there's not much prize money in go kart stuff, and we're spending a lot of money traveling all over. So we figured we had to we had to migrate to the bigger cars as soon as possible, just to be make a little bit more financial sense of it. So, so my first year full time in a dirt car was in a modified was was when I was 15. Hold that right there. We're gonna take a break. We'll be right back. Large opportunity for a sponsor break here. We're talking to dirt racing champ and entrepreneur Steve Arpin. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speedsport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Please join me, Mark Ficken, and our team at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln in honoring our brave heroes this Independence Day. We're celebrating by matching Ford and Lincoln's incentive of $1,000 off every new vehicle for active military and first responders with an extra $1,000 off. And now through July 10th, when you buy a new vehicle, we'll donate $50 to the Military Warriors Support Foundation on your behalf. Visit us today at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard or FordLincolnCharlotte.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Thicken Ford Lincoln. Say that three times real fast, Mike, on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Thicken Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. Once again on the line, Steve Arpin today, and here's Mike Wallace. Well, Steve, let's pick it up where you're you're 15. Uh, before the break, we talked about uh, your go-kart racing, uh, a couple modified races, and at age 15, take us from there. Well, we started we started modified racing, um, and and it went really well. Um, I was racing one car, my dad was racing the other, so we we're racing against each other, and it uh, it went really well. I ended up 
I ended up winning the track championship. I was a year too young to, to be able to do, be doing it legally, but we, we BS'd everyone on that. And Boy, you cheat the system through your whole career, haven't you? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So so we, we actually ended up winning the, the local track championship at Emo Speedway that first year. And um, it, it was actually kind of funny because it was a really good friend of our families who raced. And before my dad always sponsored them. Uh, before before I started racing, and then when I started racing, just naturally my dad's my dad's effort shifted from from him to to support my program. And towards the end of the year, uh, him and I were racing for the championship. As it came down to it, he wasn't going to beat me, and he actually turned us into the to the Wasota sanctioning body and, and tried to get me kicked out for being too young. <laughs> so it was it was really cool. I did get kicked out, but. Uh, but the the local track was was pretty supportive of me, so they ended up changing the rules and they they ended our ended our season championship the week before uh, instead of instead of going into the final. Some weekend. folks, so, you know what I mean. Why would a, you do that? I was just thinking about that. What a low life. I, <laughs> you know, I was. Uh, and the best part is the next year we had we had bought one of his motors from him uh, for my car, and. I didn't know it was illegal. We didn't know it was illegal, but we were racing in Proctor, Minnesota, and I got uh, I got protested. And sure enough, it was him protesting us, and the bugger sold us an illegal motor. <laughs> he protested so, his own motor. Man, I, yeah. you, you know what, Steve? I I'm, he didn't uh, like me. I guess I I stole his sponsor, so he didn't like me all that much. Yeah, well, Steve, the the greatest part, and I learned this many years ago from Kenny Schrader when Kenny yeah. Schrader was doing a trackside live show they used to have our. What was that on TNT? He, he had a show he did every week, race yeah. show. He goes, look, it's my show. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> so I, I, I want to give you the right right now. Call that guy's name out. I want to know who that <laughs> that bad engine builder was. You remember? Uh, I, I remember. It was No, it wasn't even the engine builder. It was the guy we it was a, a guy, a, a competitor that we bought a used motor oh, from. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I thought he was the engine yeah. builder. I'm thinking, my gosh, the engine builder built you an illegal motor and then turned you. Oh, no, that would be that <laughs> would be dirty, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would be a bad deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, no, it was a it was an old family friend that just didn't like being beat by a kid, I guess. So, so that was a that was a good problem to be having. Yeah, lo- love the kids' stories. You know, we had that uh, Mark Martin. Remember, he came on our show, the second show, Jeff, and. Right. Mark, How his dad taught him to drive. Mark was a little kid when he started racing, and he won. And he same thing you you dealt with. You outrun the the old guys, and it was funny the first two weeks, and then it become real serious, you know. So, uh, all right. So. I actually one of, one of the highlights of my career. Uh, two highlights of my career. One of the one of the biggest ones. I went home a couple of weeks ago, and I actually got a text from Mark Martin, and. If, if if you know Mark Martin even the slightest little bit, you just cannot help but just have the utmost respect for the man, right? And just think the world of him. And I got a text from Mark Martin telling me how proud of me he is and and all the things that I've done with Longhorn. So that was that was that was honestly one of those stories I'll tell my kids one day. Yeah, well, uh, that's incredible because the current day person and previous racers know Mark Martin as the iconic race car driver, right? I met Mark Martin when he was 13 years old. Is that right? He stood. I swear he didn't st- stand four and a half feet tall. <laughs> well, now he's only five. So. Yeah. No, that's it. <laughs> and uh, he raced against my brother, Rusty. And he was he, he was the young child prodigy. He was before Jeff Gordon. Right. You know what I mean? Back in, And his family, our family, meaning the bro- our brothers and his dad and mom and dad, and we all got along great. We raced Springfield, Missouri. On Friday nights, Rusty raced against him. Let me rephrase that. And then we went to Fort Smith, Arkansas on Saturday nights and yeah. raced in his backyard. And a little kid, little kid, we're the same age, but right. he, he could kick everybody's butt bad, man. So to get a compliment from Mark is a big deal. So congratulations on that. Well, I appreciate that. It yeah. meant, the, meant the absolute world to me. Yeah, well, you, you, we're going to get that Longhorn deal. That is, uh, that's pretty huge right now, and uh, it was one of the interests I had to want to talk to you. But I love hearing the stories of how you got to that point. So, after the the so called uh, family friend uh, turned you in for being too young, turned you in for having a cheating motor, where'd things go from there? <laughs> uh, honestly, I we just started racing all over the all over the states and. And ended up talking about Mark Martin. Ended up in Batesville for a while, uh, racing for Larry Shaw, 
Um, oh my God, I had Shaw cars with, early in my career. Small yeah, world, yeah. Didn't went it? down there and raced for Larry Shaw for for a good amount of time, and and Larry's actually one of the guys that helped me start my transition into asphalt racing. So he he started connecting me with Bill Davis, connecting me with a bunch of people down here, and obviously connecting me with Mark being down in the Batesville area, and <laughs> and so we raced modifieds all over the country. Started. Um, I couldn't make ends meet just on prize money, so I, I started getting cars from Larry and, and kind of building my own version of, of his cars and built a, built a hell of a little business doing that. Um, I think we sold like 52 cars the last year the last year that I did that deal uh, before I sold it to come, come to Charlotte. And then uh, when we had the opportunity to come down here, we had just so many, so many good people support me as we, uh, we all know the path in NASCAR, right? And especially back in like that 2008, 2009 everything really transitioned to, to self-funding and, and bringing your own sponsorship and all that. And um, I was able to put together uh, between selling my business and then having a bunch of people that, that just genuinely believed in me. Uh, we put together a program to go to go try and run a little bit of ARCA in 2000. I think it was 2009 it would have been. I got you. Hey, do me a favor, if you would. Back up to, again on the Larry Shaw era. Uh, just, just because Larry and I were good friends, I won a lot of races, a lot of dirt cars. He built me dirt modifieds before the modifieds of today's world, and uh, it's yep. just it's just unique to me that you and I walked in the same paths but never knew each other. You know what I mean? Type early Isn't on. That's the truth. And that was many years later, of course. Probably you know, heck, probably twenty years later, fifteen for sure. But how did you end up from in Canada? To Batesville, Arkansas. It's not like it's just the the simplest exit ramp to get off. And on. what kind of a car did you drive? Yeah, yeah. That's what kind of street car did you drive to get to Batesville, Arkansas? That's a question so, we ask I'm, all of our guests. What were you asking? I missed you there. What kind of what kind of a race car did I drive? Or what, what kind of a street car? What did kind I drive? of a, the joke is always or the human deal is how did you know you end up in Charlotte? You end up in Batesville, Arkansas. What did you drive to get there? And uh, we've had some crazy answers. Yeah. yeah, you know, like kind of what's your first first car or truck that you traveled in to to, to become a racer is what it amounts to. It was the god awful ugliest two tone extended cab Chevy diesel pickup. Like it was like a baby blue and a dark blue, and my god, was it the ugliest thing on earth? But it that thing pulled the trailer like there was no tomorrow. That yeah. thing we got down the street with, we yeah. got down the road with that thing. Beautiful. And it was so it was so ugly that when we rolled in, we did no one thought we were a threat. It's like there is no chance of fast race cars rolling out of that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Undercover racing, it's called. So so get back to how did how did you end up in Fort in Batesville, Arkansas? So there was a big race there. I, to be honest, I was still in high school at the time, and my dad my dad he. He made me a deal, something to do with I forget exactly what it was. If if I did a certain got certain grades or, or whatever it was in school, he would take me to he would take me to this big race down in Batesville, Arkansas, and and I, I got the deal done. So so we went, and it was a, we were running a J car. We you know Batesville, right? There there's it's just such a it's such a big circle, and we never had anything like that up north. And we ended up stopping by Shaw's shop and everything to to just see around because you you have if you're in Batesville you have to stop by there, and they ended up telling us oh like unload that thing and these guys Larry and, and Kevin Shaw came out and they they treated us like we had been their best customer for the last ten years and their number one spending customer and we didn't even have one of their cars and it got to the point where by the end of the weekend they had helped us so much that it's like my God like what they help us this much with a with a J car what would they do if we had one of their cars so um we it was a big deal to us at the time my my dad ordered a car that day and and we got it that next year and and the relationship started and then um we ended up we ended up winning we ended up winning a lot of races and a lot of different uh sanctioning bodies and, and big races everywhere from from minnesota or canada to 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 florida we won i think we still have the record down at speed weeks for the most consecutive wins at speed weeks at, at volusia and um, won every night of the the IMCA Dakota Classic Tour, every heat, every feature. It goes seven different tracks, seven different nights uh, in a row, and and all that stuff. So we just had we had tremendous success, and just got to be really good friends with with Larry and Kevin and Kirk and and the whole Shaw family, and to the point where I actually moved down there at one point. Um, 
and and raced out of Batesville for a while, lived right in their parking lot in our one of the toters my dad and I built and, and, and went from there. So it was a lot of fun. Here's a question for both you guys. What is it about Batesville, Arkansas? Because it's got to be in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I'm looking at a map right now, but what is it about Batesville, Arkansas that it, it's right have next a big to oil race? trough? <laughs> okay, there you go. Now I know where it is. <laughs> so Missouri is north of Arkansas. A little geography lesson. Here. Yeah, a little north. We were a little northeast of Batesville, and the only tie we had to Batesville was that's where Mark Martin from Julian Martin, Mark's dad. Well, they must have a big speedway there, though. Well, well they do now. Okay. Uh, now I don't know if it's big. I haven't. To be honest with you, I've never been to the racetrack. Isn't okay, that where they had uh, the topless 100 for years and? Yeah. Yep. So they got yep. a, they, they, got, they had the the first hundred thousand to win dirt modified it? shows. What there. is his name? I met him years ago. Moody, right? In that, what that? In that the <laughs> promoter? Moody name? Star. Moody Star. Yeah, they you took the roof star, off the yep. late model. Oh, okay. I thought it was something else. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After you win you the big mind. money, you go to see <laughs> the topless one hundred and down. <laughs> I'm picturing the grandstands now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just uh, you ask about it. I mean, the only thing, time I've ever heard Batesville, Arkansas, usually Mark Martin's name is in the conversation. You know what I mean? It's Mark Martin is where we, we heard of Batesville, Arkansas. Or is that where Walmart was from, too? Uh, They're be. from Bentonville. Bentonville. Gotcha. Bentonville. I knew it was over there. Yeah. So Larry Shaw raced with Mark Martin in the early era. And then they, of course, have maintained friendships forever. But that's uh, that's how I got to know about it. I don't know how Steve did. It sounds like he was just racing. Yeah, same. Yeah, same thing. Just racing. It's it's kind of one of those things where they just had. It was such a small little community, but had such like a a, a, a big, deep racing heritage. Like the whole community just kind of surrounds the the racing heritage there. And and it was like when you went to Batesville, it was something special, right? And and Larry Shaw is is just such an like, icon in the sport and to be able to go there and just walk into larry shot race cars and not too often you, you you see just such an iconic figure that wants to wants to go get wants to go get lunch with you and he doesn't even know who you are so yeah. it was just one of those things where i think it's a combination of uh, of all the racing success they've had and and how they how they carry themselves they're just they're just like salt of the earth kind of people there and it's uh it's I, I, my little guy when he grows up i think i might send him over there to to hopefully to turn out to be somewhat like them because they are good people. Yeah, de definitely great people, great family. Uh, known Larry Shaw forever. So I don't, as I told you earlier, this show's all about you. But somehow we've got talking about other people. But uh, it's it's cool that we've kind of passed the same paths along the way or know the same people. And uh, so so you got through. All the modified racing, you won everything. You won a lot. You know, you're you're uh, an established big time dirt racer at this time winning races and so how give us just a teaser because we need to go to break but give us a teaser how you how you decided to come nascar racing uh honestly Our uh, Arca racing. Let's, okay <laughs> let's just put it this way carl i had a quick little tease i i always had that that kind of dream uh found out in a weird found out by burning myself really bad at Volusia that Carl Edwards is a really big fan. And I was in the hospital in Orlando in the burn unit and Carl Edwards showed up and he said he was going to drive my car for me to help me, help me get my value to my sponsors I had for that race. So there's a good little teaser on, on, on how that whole thing started. There you go. Carl Edwards. There you go. Again, Carl, the circle of racing. I'll tell you that story too, but go ahead. All right, he's a racer. He's an entrepreneur. He's Steve Arpin. He's on the line with us and you're listening to fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the speed sport podcast network powered by my race pass and NASCAR digital media. Please join me, Mark Ficken and our team and Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln in honoring our brave heroes this independence day. We're celebrating by matching Ford and Lincoln's incentive of $1,000 off every new vehicle for active military and first responders with an extra $1,000 off. And now through July 10th, when you buy a new vehicle, we'll donate $50 to the Military Warriors Support Foundation on your behalf. Visit us today at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard or FordLincolnCharlotte.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. Once again, our guest, Steve Arpin. Here's Mike Wallace. Well, Steve, you know, I, I realized during the break, you and I have crossed the same path of people. And I, I, I said that in the previous segment, but we're talking about Carl Edwards. So uh, I'm going to share a quick story, then I need you to get into details here. So Carl, they used to always call him Cousin Carl. Right. So him and Kenny Schrader used to call it, you know. So many, many years ago, before he had a ride, before he was NASCAR's Carl Edwards, he was a kid looking for a ride. He used to hand a business card out that had a picture of him on it. Said, "If you need a driver, I'm your guy." No That's, that was his intro. So we're all down in Nashville, Tennessee, and we're at the Wild Horse Saloon. But we got one problem at the front door. He's too young to get into Wild Horse Saloon. Oh. But we found out. I found out that a hundred dollars back then would get you and Anybody. any of your buddies in the Wild Horse <laughs> Saloon. So, so we were racing in Nashville and. Uh, so I, I slid the guy a $100 bill. Carl got in the door, and we've been buddies ever since. <laughs> Actually, before he moved from here, he lived right up the street from where I live in, uh, in the Concord area. But uh, So let's go back to you somehow got burnt in, a, I guess, a race car wreck. You were in Orlando, Florida. Carl comes and sees you, and take it from there. Yeah, so we were at Volusia Speedway the year before when I was when I was mentioning that we had uh, I think we have the record still today of the most consecutive wins there. I forget exactly what it was to be honest with you, but we we ran all the speed weeks. We had I think we had six or seven wins, a second and a fourth, and racing with your brother a lot there. So the next year we were coming back, and Carl Edwards said. I had heard through the grapevine that Carl Edwards was bringing Jack Roush out to see me because there's this modified guy that he was a fan of that, that, that Jack Roush had to see. So first night out at Volusia, 2008, I, uh, my motor blew coming over to turn four to the, I won my heat race, motor blew coming across the finish line. That's back when we had 150 cars there and stuff all the time. So we had plenty of time to change it for the future and had the thing up on jack stands and the, the radiator hose exploded uh, because of all the pressure built up. And and just burnt the heck out of me, burnt the, burnt me bad. So oh. I got hauled off in the in the ambulance, and then they took me over to Halifax in Daytona, and it was it was a little bit too bad for them to handle, so they transferred me over to the burn unit over in Orlando, and I had that's when I was really starting to pursue my my professional career in motorsports and and really working on sponsorships, sold a lot of sponsorship based on the success we had in 2007 down there, and sure enough, first. First heat race, first night, this happened. So Carl caught wind of that, and he, uh, he he offered to drive my car for me to help me get the value to my sponsors so I didn't lose any sponsorship going forward the rest of the season. And and that's where that's where it all kind of – that's where it all started. And it was it was pretty cool. He destroyed my car, absolutely <laughs> destroyed my car. But it got a it got a lot of airtime. You know the way it works. Sometimes sometimes wrecking gets you more more TV time than anything. Yeah, the the, the late great Benny Parsons told me, whatever you do, whatever you do, just put yourself in the box. He said, meaning wherever the television camera is. Oh yeah. He says, I don't. You need to lead the race. Or take out the leader. <laughs> One or the other. You know, yep. if they're coming to lap you, take them out. Because that, <laughs> and that's it was how you just, get on the TV. Yeah, we used to, and that was his phrase, just get yourself in the box. And that, that's where the TV yep. camera was. 
So you got the car all tore up, but Carl has is now kind of a supporter of yours because he drove your car, wanted yeah. to help you. He was bringing Roush to the racetrack because it sounds like you impressed him enough that he was maybe going to try to get Roush to look at hiring you possibly, huh? Yeah, so he actually, when they were when they were pulling in, uh, found this out afterwards, but when they were pulling in, I was getting transferred from the track ambulance to, to the other ambulance out in the parking lot to uh, to head into Halifax. So, And they had no idea it was me at the time. Obviously, they found out after. But at that point, uh, it was actually that year at the same time we were building, that's when Austin Dillon started as well. So we were working uh, with the, the McDowell brothers who kind of, uh, took over took over running Austin's program and they had shot cars as well so we're all there all there working and through those relationships we're working with Richard trying to get something going there um, and then Carl was Carl was really helping me out with uh, with uh, Jack Roush and then your brother Kenny Wallace too he uh, once I got burned he he just really stepped up uh, and this is god this is it's so funny how this all comes full circle but Kenny was a Kenny was a huge supporter um, of of just making me notice, letting me helping me into these circles. He he opened a lot of doors for me to to go and kind of do my thing and, and try and make opportunity happen. And he was uh, he, he believed in me. He he put me into the right circles, and it was really neat, um, really neat actually. And uh, believe it or not, I when I moved when I first moved down to Charlotte. Um, Andy Hillenberg told me it's like if uh, at some point if you want to have a career in racing you will have a North Carolina zip code and <laughs> Mike you might not know this but when I first moved down here uh, you and I were neighbors uh, I was over at Carl's place at, what was it 39 30, it's not his place now so I yep. can't say the address but down over on uh, on Trinity Church, Church Road well, isn't that, that amazing you weren't the one that called him and told him I was cutting his grass did you <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so, so you'll love this story. These stories, all of our stuff is full circle. Like, so my son Matt, we where Jeff, where he's talking about Carl Edwards, literally lived. We'll call it three blocks up the street from where I live at presently. Yep. Have for years. Yeah. So my son Matt is trying to, you know, make a little extra money. So we had cut a deal with Bad Boy Mowers. Batesville, Arkansas. No, no kidding. Yep. And there it is again. So we got a couple bad boys <laughs> they sent over to us on a sponsorship deal. So Matt, Carl says, hey, I need my grass cut while, you know, I just live here, he says. I don't really like taking care of the place. And <laughs> so Matt would get on and drive the lawnmower up the street. He wouldn't tow it or nothing because right. he was too young. So I don't know. He got behind. He was doing something. And he said, I got to go cut Carl's grass. I said, you finish what you're doing. I said, I'll go up there and cut it. You know, I'll help you out. So... I'm driving up the road. I get in. I'm cutting Carl's grass. This, my son helps me. I'm helping him. He's really young. And all of a sudden, my phone rings. Mm -hmm. And it's Carl. He goes, hey, what are you doing? He says, forget what you're doing, because I know what you're doing. <laughs> he says, there's a buddy staying at the house. And he looked out the window, and he says, dude, you're not going to believe this, but I swear Mike Wallace is cutting your damn grass. <laughs> <laughs> and I says, well, that's it. I just, that was the guy who must open the blinds when I was at the front yard. <laughs> hey, everybody needs some money. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, a little, yeah. little extra spending cash. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, wow. He li you were my neighbor and I didn't even realize it. Isn't that funny? It's yeah, my world, yes, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah. So... <laughs> Let's let's go from that point. You got Carl Edwards in your corner. You got Kenny Wallace in your corner. You got Andy Hillenberg telling you got to have a North Carolina driver's license. Where, where's your career go at that point? So honestly, like I said at the start, I'm just kind of one of those guys that just I jump in and figure out the rest later. So I I packed up all my stuff. I I sold my business. I I moved to Charlotte and. I think that would have been December of 2008, uh, just in time to go to Daytona, try and get approved at the Architest to run, uh, to run the Daytona race there, and um, through through selling my business, and then a bunch of a bunch of just amazing people, um, some that are still my partners today at at Longhorn actually that just believed in me. I was able to put a Arca deal together, and we we signed with Eddie Sharp for the 2009 season. So um, that's when we really kind of took the transition. Uh, out of dirt racing into into asphalt racing, and then we kind of went that direction until until this past year. Wow, Eddie Sharp, he bought my little brother Kenny's house once Man. again. Yeah, oh no, no way. Yeah, <laughs> where Kenny lived over off Odell School Road, Eddie bought that place because there was a shop out there. Is he from Batesville, Arkansas? No, I think Eddie. <laughs> I, no, what's what's going to blow your mind is I 
I sponsored Eddie Sharp. Oh, yeah? Eddie was from Florida, but he bought that, and he was going to, I don't know, I think his dad was successful or had some money or something, but something. It was one of them deals. It was a beer. As Schrader says, it it had liquor involved. <laughs> and Eddie goes, I want to go run this late model short track race, whatever, but I don't want to spend whatever. And I go, I'll sponsor you, you know. <laughs> What do you want on the car? I said, just put Mike Wallace somewhere. And here's five grand, you know. And made it, making a little money back then. Didn't think a big deal of it. Uh, but uh, okay, so you went to you you drove Freddie Sharp, and uh, drove Freddie Sharp. Ran a half season there. Uh, did, didn't really get the results I was looking for there, and, and honestly, just felt like felt like I could do better. Um, so transitioned after my I signed a half a year deal with Eddie, and then was going to reevaluate then. So I. I had some money left and ended up transferring over to Venturini Motorsports, and and immediately after the transition there, we just we found success on the Arca side um, at the end of the 2009 season, and then that just really really took off at the start of 2010, um, and and just that just blossomed into that blossomed into to a lot of other opportunities as uh, transitioning to NASCAR. So. I think I got my first win at, at Salem Speedway, which I absolutely, to this day, that's got to be one of my favorite racetracks. That place has so much character, such a blast. And and the next morning, uh, after that first Salem win, uh, I got a call from, from Dale Jr. asking me if I'd be interested in driving his, his seven car a little bit, sharing a car with Danica while she was, while she was, that's what the year she was transitioning between NASCAR and IndyCar, kind of doing both of them. Wow, so, what was that experience like? Or that phone call? That that had to be awing to you. Well, in all fairness, I wore them out like like there was no tomorrow. I remember I was in Kansas and I, I, I tried to work up the guts walking back and forth and back and forth between his Xfinity, Xfinity holler, and I just walked in there and, um, God, I forget the kid's name that was driving for him at the time, but he was sitting up there up there with pops, and I just walked in like, hey, I got a meeting with pops. And like, oh yeah, he's up front, and he didn't have a clue who I was. I just made that up to be able to get in the trailer, and just walked up in there and told him that I wanted to drive for him. And he kind of looked at me like I was an idiot, and I was. And um, as they call it, a ballsy idiot. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I made enough of an impression for him to give me his number. We followed up the next week and showed up at the track or at the shop, and and started working with all the marketing people and just. I guess they liked my they liked my drive, they liked my work ethic and and ultimately decided to decide to give me a give me a give me a job. It was my first time my first time getting hired to drive a car without the need to bring any sponsorship or anything. So it was it was pretty cool. But the other cool part was about an hour after Dale Jr. called, uh, Jack Roush called and and he offered me a ride the same day. So that's when uh uh, in hindsight, looking at it, that's when uh, Ricky and, and Colin Brown were, were doing the Xfinity thing for them, and I'm not sure which ride it was going to be, but I felt like on the on the Roush side, it was more so to I was going to be the guy to bring in to teach one of those boys a lesson because that's when they were having a lot of issues wrecking stuff. And on the junior side, it's just like if, if you have the opportunity to drive for Dale Earnhardt Jr., you just got to do it. Sure. And, um so actually, after talking with Carl, Carl, Carl kind of guided me, and he figured he figured for the long term, the long term end of my career, the junior route would be the best route, and that's the way we went. Outstanding. So, uh, how did that go? Uh, just not average, worth a not, shit. Not worth <laughs> a shit. Okay. All right, let's yeah. move on. We don't need any more description. Don't, don't sugarcoat it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to be totally fair. It was, it was one of those opportunities that, that came to me. It was my 22nd asphalt race of my life that I was starting at Talladega in, in Dale Jr.'s uh, Xfinity car. I was uh, uh, like literally 20, my, my 21st asphalt start was my last one before I, I moved into Xfinity um, in anything, in anything on asphalt racing, period. So it was one of those things where it was an opportunity that came. It was an incredible opportunity, but... Ultimately, I just I, I was not ready for it from an experience level to be able to capitalize on on the shot I was given. So we had seven races with them. Um, it started out as one race and then got extended to three, then got extended to four more. Um, and then Eric Amarola uh, ended up being just a better fit for them. And so I went back to I went back to the truck series uh, with my Mark Sired Lemonade sponsorship and and just went from there. But 
uh, still to this day, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, right? If if you get an opportunity to drive for for someone like Junior, whether you're ready or not, you just gotta you gotta go for it and try and figure it out because they're probably not going to come again. Yeah, and in your defense, if I may say, just getting the nod from Junior was a big deal. But I'll be honest with you, a lot of guys that were drove for Dale Junior early in their career at Junior Motorsports, it wasn't a good outcome for them. Yeah. You know, it wasn't the team that it is yeah. today. You know, there exactly. were there, there was as many guys drove that didn't succeed uh and so you did good man very proud of you let's you take done a break. good we gotta take you a done break good right? <laughs> <laughs> that's how it goes. that's canadian wasn't it you <laughs> hey take <laughs> off eh? oh yeah you betcha <laughs> yeah oh yeah we're talking to steve arp and you're listening to fast car to nascar with mike wallace on the speed sport podcast network powered by my race pass and nascar digital media Please join me, Mark Ficken, and our team at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln in honoring our brave heroes this Independence Day. We're celebrating by matching Ford and Lincoln's incentive of $1,000 off every new vehicle for active military and first responders with an extra $1,000 off. And now through July 10th, when you buy a new vehicle, we'll donate $50 to the Military Warriors Support Foundation on your behalf. Visit us today at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard or FordLincolnCharlotte.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. One more segment with Steve Arpin. And once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Steve, it always goes this way good conversations they can go forever and we we get to where we're going to run out of time you know but so i need you to go back to the dale jr thing not so much dale jr where was your next step in nascar racing uh mm-hmm. if you can condense that down for me absolutely so after we parted ways with junior we had we had the we, i went over to turner scott motorsports uh did the truck series over there did the xfinity series a little bit uh, it was nationwide back then and we all know the sponsorship thing goes. So Mike's Hard Lemonade got a new got a new president, and our program was one of the first on the chopping block. Uh, I was actually about an hour before practice at Texas Motor Speedway. The the vice president had to come and tell me that the new president wasn't uh, wasn't going to continue the program, and 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 we had to figure something else to do. So that was in April, and uh, that that was a tough one to swallow. But uh, really quickly got a call to. I got a call from the owner of the Rallycross series. He said, all these people are going from their discipline to NASCAR. He said, I want to see what a NASCAR guy can do coming to our discipline, coming to Rallycross. I'm like, well, hell yeah, let's do it. I've never seen a Rallycross car or anything before. So I had to get on a plane and go to Brussels, Belgium. And I I went and tested a car for about 15, 20 minutes in a parking lot of the Ford Proving Grounds in Belgium. uh, And then flew home. was literally on the ground for about four hours in Belgium. And then the next week they flew me to Brazil and I ran in the X games and, and raced, uh, raced rally cross from 2013 all the way, all the way through, uh, December of last year. That's amazing. That, that, that right there is a, a story in itself. We'll have to get you back on and go through that whole rally thing. Cause that's, that's an impressive series. Them guys haul ass in them rally cars. I mean, so where really, do they race? Uh, in, where do so they race in fun. Brazil? Uh, we raced just outside of, uh, Oh God, I forget the name of it now. We flew into Sao Paulo, yeah. and and there's these really, I guess it's a huge tourist destination. All these waterfalls and everything. So it's the name of I, I forget what the name of the place was, but it was it was absolutely gorgeous. It was the coolest thing in the world. That is a neat place. So yeah. so you raced rally cars up to last year. I didn't realize you you were still racing that up to that point. So that, that's really good. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, I just had a meeting with Dana White about a month ago. Uh, Dana White bought Rallycross, and they're trying to get us back into it. So we're 
we're working with uh, working with Pastrana and stuff on that, and and it's just a lot of exciting stuff happening there with the new ownership. It's Man, you're cool. you're a big name guy there, Dana White, Travis Pastrana. He knows how to name That's drop. Some big serious time. name drop. Right there, <laughs> yeah, know? well, put, put when you get an invite to a meeting with those two, you got to go, right? Yeah. So what you need to really do? Do you have a piece of paper in front of you or anywhere on your desk? I, I got you. Okay, so I want you to put Mike Wallace <laughs> in big letters there, <laughs> and uh, his agent Jeff Kent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or my spokesperson Jeff Kent to go rally racing with you. I Have your you. girl call my girl. Yeah, we'll do lunch. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who my girl is yet, but I'll have a good looking one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, wow. I found her at the topless one hundred. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this is going to go a different direction real quick, isn't it? Yeah, we, we probably need to stop because it, we can have a lot of fun, but on another show. So you went rally racing, which is kudos to your ability to just cross-pollinate organizations. You know, you went from dirt racing to asphalt racing to Xfinity and truck racing and, and, and rally cross. I was really impressed by you, Steve, on that, to be honest with you. I didn't know you very well. I knew who you were. We talked a couple times at the racetrack, but I thought, man, this guy is really damn good. He went to rally racing. and uh, But I will tell a quick story before I ask you about Longhorn Chassis. I did run into Steve and his wife about a year ago, and I didn't know I was running into him. He didn't know we were running into each other. We were downtown Charlotte having dinner. Mm-hmm. We walked right outside Basil, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And here's some guy trying to put the take in, deassemble his stroller, and he can't get it in his car. He can't figure out how to get it folded up. And I I didn't know who it was because his back was turned to me. So he knows how to build a motor at age 10 or whatever, but can't fold a stroller. Yeah, so I. stroller, it got the best of me. Those things are complicated. And, of course, when you go out with the right people, you might have a cocktail or two while you're having dinner. And so you're pretty brave. So I will, we walk out, and this guy's bent over the back of his car, and he's stumbling with this stroller. And I made some, not not smart, I like, but just kind of a funny comment. And he turns around, and you know what? Holy crap, Steve Arpin. <laughs> and then we talked for a little bit. All right. So let us jump past the stroller that didn't fold up but you did get it done and uh everything was good there but i um your name i don't know if it folded back out but i got it folded you, up you got yeah that folded out but in you got it in the car let's put it that way and yeah. so uh your name this year especially last year a lot but i was um uh, I was watching some dirt racing this year, and all I kept hearing, and it's a huge, huge compliment to you, was Steve Arpin and Longhorn Chassis. And I need you to tell the world about Longhorn Chassis because, as I was telling Jeff, you guys are one of the best in dirt late model racing that I know of. Uh, If you're going to have a dirt car, which we still have to discuss that just to let you know, that you need a Longhorn, and they're they're right here close to us. Right. Yeah. So, t- take us to how you got out of the racing driving business for a while, and graduated into this great business you have. Absolutely. So so fast forwarding through through rallycross, I drove for some other teams for a couple of years, and then uh, some of some of my partners, actually my partners to this day, uh, that were supporters of me to help me get going in the ARCA deal. Uh, we decided to partner up and, and start our own rallycross team. Uh, and at that point, we partnered with Chip Ganassi on it. Uh, so we ran it out of their shop for the first couple of years. And then after they lost Target, we ended up moving over to, to do our own thing. Uh, got a couple buildings over here. They used to be the old R3 motorsports buildings. So that's where we ran our rallycross program out of. We had Brian Deegan driving for us, Ken Block driving for us, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, fast wow. forward really quick. Those are COVID, big names when, right there, man. Right. Yeah. When COVID hit, we uh, rallycross racing stopped. Like it just absolutely stopped. And at that point, we'd assembled such an incredible group of people, uh, such an incredible group of people, that I had to find something to do. I had to find something fast that I could that I could generate some revenue to to keep my my team assembled. I knew we were going to lose our ass, but I just had to do something to minimize the bleeding. Uh, while we waited for for everything to pass, and obviously COVID had lasted way longer than anyone any of us anticipated. Uh, that being said, I, dirt racing was the thing I knew like the back of my hand, right? Like you don't you don't forget that kind of stuff. 
uh, had the opportunity to meet with Justin Labani up there at Longhorn, and they had built they had built just an incredible late model program uh, that was that was really on the verge of taking off, and they had this modified deal that was kind of kind of half-assed. They didn't know much about it. They didn't have time to do it. So I bought the modified portion of Longhorn chassis um, just to kind of get our feet off the ground and get it going. And it, it was it went incredible, right? We 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 knocked it out of the park, attracted a ton of really big name drivers, and took a lot of the a lot of the stuff I did in my first uh, dirt business with Shaw and applied it to to that. And as it turns out, the 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 biggest weakness of Longhorn was what turned out to be our biggest strengths. And my group of people that we had at our deal, and and the group of people that Longhorn had, it just made total sense to. To, to keep that that partnership growing, to keep uh, keep that that merger, if you want to call it that, going further past the the modified program. So within a year of doing the the modified program, uh, we ended up taking over the late model program. We we moved the whole thing over here to our shop in in China Grove, North Carolina. And honestly, it's one of those things where we are just we are absolutely surrounded by the best people in motorsports. Um, there's a, we all know there's a bit of a right sizing in NASCAR and, and all the timing just aligned perfectly for us to, to, to have access to a whole bunch of really good people that, that kind of wanted to go back to their roots and racing, right? Like they love, they love being involved in motorsports, but we all know NASCAR, that's a, that's a, that's a full time. That's a big deal uh, to be on the year on the road on a, on a NASCAR program all year long. So we ended up getting some of the best fabricators, some of the best body guys, some of the best, just the, the most talented people over here building these Longhorn Dirt Late Models and Modifieds and took a lot of what, what they knew from, from their NASCAR days and started applying that to the dirt world. And it's, it's turned out that we have one of the, one of the strongest, fastest-growing uh, dirt late model programs in the country right now. And the amount of, the amount of teams... Uh, that we have running our stuff, the quality teams and drivers uh, is what makes us what we are. It's uh, it's absolutely incredible. We're up at the Gopher 50 up at Deer Creek Speedway. It's a big race up there, a uh, historical race. And I was looking at the field. We had our, our cars were 50% of the overall field, uh, but 95% of our cars made the show. Uh, so, like, there's a 24-car field on Thursday night. 18 of them were our cars. We only had one car not make the show. So it was uh, it, w- it was pretty cool, and it's so cool to see the success that that all of our customers are having. Not just the not just the not just the top tier teams, but we really focus on the Saturday Night Racer and everything, and those guys that 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 would remortgage their house to be able to go get some more tires or something, right? Uh, so we really focus on those guys, and it's been uh, it's been a wild ride. It's been so much fun. Yeah, well, I'm excited for you. I uh, I actually uh, plugged your 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 program a few weeks ago to a buddy of mine. So I won the Winston Racing Series over in Missouri many years ago, driving for a gentleman by the name of Brad Willard. Brad uh, owns I-44 Speedway, which is sitting idle at the moment, but he uh, he he helped me a lot. So his son Brennan wants to be a racer. Even he's an asphalt guy, but. Uh, the other day he called, and I, he's telling me about his cars he's got. And I said, why don't you just sell all that stuff? Buy you a Longhorn. I says they got all the resources. I don't even know what they got, but all their stuff's winning. So I get a text from him like three four days ago. Hey, I'm calling you tomorrow. I got a Longhorn coming. So, <laughs> so, I, hope, so I hope he bought a car from you or bought it from somebody. So uh, you, you got to give now, him. Do you get commission on that, Mike? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I would say Steve and I will talk when we're done with the show. You yeah. know? <laughs> no. Absolutely. But, yeah. But, uh, I, I think he may have bought it from one of our dealers. We have some dealers. We have a, a pretty good dealer network, so we probably bought it from one of our dealers out yeah, that way, yeah. closer to him. Whatever it is, it's just uh, you. I guess I'm going to say, ask you this, and I'm going to say it at the same time. When you buy one of your Longhorn cars, and I'm hearing this from other people, you're not just buying a race car, right? You're buying a lot of knowledge and a lot of support from your company, aren't they? And that that's the biggest thing these days. It's like so Rocket Chassis, that's that's he's he's had a he's had a, a stronghold on the on the dirt late model series for so many years and, and he Mark Richards who runs that place, he's 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 a legend in the sport, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like and then there's Capital and there's Black Diamond, there's 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 so many great race cars out there that like I'm, I am 
absolutely confident we build a badass race car. Like we build a really good race car and have a lot of good people here making them good race cars. But so does Rocket and so does Capital and so does Black Diamond. So I'm I'm just a firm believer anymore that that at, at this point, as much as it's important what you buy for a race car that it suits you and it suits your style, I, I think it's almost more important on who you buy a race car from. Because if you're going to be uh, if you're going to be by yourself out there trying to compete at this level today with the technology that's out there and and how how these guys are all maximizing what these cars are capable of, doing it on your own without a without a pool of information to draw from, it's it's virtually impossible anymore. Well, Jeff, you know we had a um, a big time dirt racer on our show earlier this year that drives a Longhorn car. Just some guy by the name of Jonathan Davenport. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, wow. Right? <laughs> yeah. And you know what the funny part is? You know where that team's based? Batesville, Arkansas. No. Batesville, Arkansas. <laughs> Land Flanders. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the show. We've so, come full circle. Yes. Yeah, so so here, here's how it works, boys. You guys ready for this? We just all come about. If you're going to be a NASCAR racer, you got to live in the Charlotte area. Right. If you're going to race Indy cars, you got to live in in the Indianapolis Indiana. area. Yeah. If you're going to run top fuel or funny cars, you're going to be in Brownstown, Indiana. If you're going to run a dirt car, you got to be in Batesville, Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> At some point, you will be in Batesville, Arkansas. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, S- Steve, tell us what, what's on the horizon. Well, you know, Longhorn's doing phenomenal. And let's go back to Longhorn just for a minute. Because Longhorn was started originally, am I correct, by Bobby and Terry Labonte? Isn't that Absolutely. where the lo- so Longhorn name come from? From, like, the Texas tie? Yep, and and actually Terry's son Justin is still uh, still a partner here at Longhorn, so he's still involved uh, on on a regular basis. It's really cool. So you want to talk about something coming full circle, backing up to uh, backing up to when I got burnt uh, in Volusia in 2008. Uh, they wouldn't let me leave the hospital because it was bad enough that infection was pretty bad. They wouldn't let me fly commercial. They wouldn't let me fly in the motorhome or ride home in the motorhome, anything like that. And your brother actually ended up calling some of his buddies and had to get me a plane ride home, a private plane home. And Bobby Labonte didn't know me from a hole in the ground, ended up sending his jet over to pick me up and flew me back to Rochester, Minnesota, where I was living at the time. And then down the road, I ended up buying his company from him. So it turned out to be a a pretty cool deal. He was wanting, and when you bought the company, you were wondering what that extra $22,000 was on the end of it. <laughs> that was the airfare to get you back home. Air <laughs> you know, I had to get my wife a new vehicle after that, and it's like we, we probably overpaid for the company a little bit, right? But they'd done such an amazing job building it that it's okay. So I went up to, I went up to Terry Labonte's. Uh, car dealership and and I, I at least got myself a damn good deal on the new car for my wife so she was happy on the whole deal so it worked out good <clears throat> beautiful well congratulations on your success please pass on to justin even though believe it or not i don't know him that well justin won his first uh we'll call it nationwide race at chicago and i uh i think i told you guys this story once before i was leading there i had one daytona the week before it was 2004 i won daytona in July, went to Chicago, leading it up to the last lap. Have no idea we're low on fuel, right? right. Just digging, man, digging. <laughs> Take the white flag, look up, see the white flag, and that thing falls flat on his face, runs out of gas. Uh. Justin Labonte drives by and wins. I think he was driving the Coast Guard car back then. So As he screamed by, he said, thanks, Mike. Yeah, tell him kudos. So uh, <laughs> we'll have to come by and see you guys up at Longhorn someday. Hey, we'd love to have you. Well, you had an amazing career. Sounds like you got a lot of great things still in the works, and uh, we appreciate you being on. Love to have you back on some other day. We'll get a little bit more in depth uh, of how your career has went in different segments. Well, hopefully, we'll do something special over the next couple months here, and we'll give you a reason to call me back. All there right, you go. Buddy. he's Steve Arpin. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media.